Previously on Nerd Punches Nerd. Another way of saying it is that it got up its own ass. <laughs> right, it did. It did. Just, just like San Francisco did it in South Park. Anyway, uh, there's something else that I wanted to bring up. Talking because Benji was talking about you know sexualized female characters and how it's annoying sometimes how like every female character in an action movie has to be this sexual being, you know, who's like so like over the top sexy. Um, so I want to talk about another side of that, which is part of this double standard with women, which is the the Michelle Rodriguez factor. Um, there's a there's a TV trope about how Michelle Rodriguez always dies. It's not I forget. Uh, they they mentioned the, it's the name of one of her characters in one of her movies. Um, Is it spoilers? Avatar? No. Uh, it's I think it's from. Was she in one of the Alien movies? I, I, was was she was she in one of the Alien movies? She was in Fast and Furious. Anyway, regardless, she died in one of those. Regardless, there's this trope that Michelle Rodriguez always dies in movies, and the the concept behind <laughs> it is that Michelle Rodriguez always plays these tough chicks who are, you know, they're not effeminate, they're not sort of like conventional, you know, feminine women. They're, they're tough, strong women who are like a little bit butch. And that um, in these Hollywood movies that she's in, that typically means that she has to die, whereas the more feminine woman survives. Um, and this, this is insane to me as a concept, because Michelle Rodriguez is gorgeous. She yeah, is no like... She did die you. in Avatar. Right. <laughs> That's nice. But, but it's, it's, Anyway, well, my point is just like the yeah. double standard is, is insane. It's not as much but value somebody, to them. Somebody who is as as beautiful as Michelle Rodriguez is considered like butch and unfeminine. It's, it's like a concept that I can't even wrap my brain around. But, um, you know, but that's that's how Hollywood is. And it's it's unfortunate, um, you know, that that things have gotten to that point. Well, well, no, I, I thought you were going to go the other direction, which is, which is the, well, not the other direction, but I think the whole thing is, it's like, what are they, what is the movie uh, saying? And maybe it's reading too much into it, but it's kind of like, what's more important or what's supposed to give you more of a sigh of relief is if at least the pretty, more feminine woman, uh, uh, survives. You know, out of the two of them, you don't want, you don't want the butch one surviving. You want the effeminate one. Uh, right. That's, yeah. that's what, that's what these writers and, and directors and producers assume that the audiences want. Well, and here's the thing. I mean, would it have been as uh, as powerful spoilers if um, if uh, Tifa in Final Fantasy VII died instead of Eris in the, with the same story? You know, I, I'm not sure it would have had the same thing. I mean, because Eris really was played up as being you know this very effeminate sort of innocent character. Now, I don't think necessarily Final Fantasy VII was the was the most most egregious uh, offender. Uh, of of you know with uh, gender stereotypes. That's but actually an interesting with... reversal. Yeah. Which part? Uh, um, from what I'm talking about, because yeah. I'm talking about how the tough chick gets killed, and in that case, that... it's the more feminine woman that gets killed. Um, but the point is that like it's because of her sacrifice and martyrdom. But, that's you know but, that's. But what... actually, but but actually supports kind of what you were yeah. saying because would it even if this were in the writer's intentions or even subconscious int- intentions, would it have been as sad if Tifa uh, if Tifa had died? Like, would it have been as sad? And here's the other thing. Would it have been as sad if Tifa had a relationship with Cloud throughout that, that, the duration that Eris and Cloud had a relationship? 
You see what I'm saying? And I, I think part of it is that she's she's more even though she's not the most butch out of all like the butch characters that there are, she still is is more butch than Eris. Yeah, and Eris is kinda like this innocent, you know, this innocent little you know, girl from like this kinda like this small town or small slum or whatever, you know. And and so anyway, that that's I I think I think there's a, a point to that, and it's like you know who has more value, and once again that is kind of the whole male gaze thing. So it's like, well, who's gonna have more value? Just like your you know your damsel in distress, or someone who can do something, or right. But in that case, in that case, it's you know the the character that dies is like more important than the character that survives, you know. And like you're saying, you know, would it have been as impactful? Um, I think that the audience was supposed to identify with Eris more, much more. Than with um, with Tifa, right? And so that's why she she's the one that dies because it hits you harder, right? The movies that I'm talking about are not going for that same kind of dramatic impact, you know. They're like dumber action movies where you know you just want to see stuff blow up and and people shoot things and stuff, um, and you know and like it's it's the kind of you know like the tough chick gets killed. It's the same way that like the black guy always dies in a horror movie. You know, it's just like, well, they're not as important as the white people, so we're just going to get them out of the way, and we know they're not going to survive. Or the way the uh, black people are always, pretty much always portrayed as being really stereotyped or really thug, you know? Well, so that's a different... I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's if, you're, if you're watching a Michael Bay movie, yeah. Or a lot of movies. I mean, we, we should talk about this at a, at, a, at a different point, but it's definitely there. Oh, man. <laughs> if that... <laughs> if, if you think... If you don't think we're going to get in trouble for doing a podcast on feminism, just wait till we do the podcast on racism. Oh, Lordy. Oh, boy. Lordy, Lordy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think I'd like to do some addendums and some of the stuff you were talking about. One yes, thing that's please. interesting to me, some of the stuff that's happened, specifically with Scarlett Johansson, and a lot of the interviewers that it's happened. For example, there was a case where a reporter was asking some questions to the co-stars. He says this, I have a question to Robert and to Scarlett. Firstly, to Robert. Throughout Iron Man 1 and 2, Tony Stark started off as a very egotistical character, but learns how to fight as a team. And so how did you approach this role, bearing in mind that kind of maturity as a human being when it comes to the Stony Stark character? And did you learn anything about this you know, throughout the three movies that you made? To Scarlett, to get into shape for Black Widow... Did you have to do anything special to do in terms of the diet? Like, did you have to eat any specific uh, that sort of thing? So she uh, says, "That is horrible." You get the really interesting existential question. I get like the rabbit food question. So she says, and she says, "Well, when you're training and doing all that stunt work, you eat a lot of green things." And she gives like a look, and then Robert Downey Jr. cracks up. And then there's another interesting one uh, where she's asked by this interviewer, "Now, were you able to wear undergarments?" She says, you're like the first, fifth person that's asked me that today. What's going on? Whether you feel like I should be wearing or not wearing under that, that costume. Isn't it an appropriate task what kind of underpants they wear? I didn't ask you what kind. No, you just asked if I was wearing any. Was I wearing underwear? What kind of interview is this? And I think that's sort of indicative. sort of saying how it was annoying how people would ask these questions and Jonathan was saying, when people ask me, why do you like, like 
know, why do you how do you write like these uh, strong female characters? And he just says, well, you know, I just like writing uh, people. Yeah, yeah. And it's also interesting because he was saying that he thinks it, you know, he hopes that the success of these kinds of characters can help, you know, convince people that maybe cyberpunk movies are marketable. Now, I think yeah. there is some truth in certain sense, like in terms of the gays. Mm-hmm. Because there was a movie I saw earlier, which was called Parker, and it's not so great, but it starred Jason Statham and Jennifer Lopez. And what was interesting about it is that it had both male and female gays, because there was a part where Jennifer Lopez was kind of like a little bit leching on uh, Jason Statham, like like watching that, and like going, mm-hmm. hmm. and there was a part where she like gets it down into her underwear. So there's like. A, Although with her it's a little bit more, but even so, it's one of these like at least they had some of both. Yeah, that's that's what we consider progress these days. Heard. You know, we haven't stopped objectifying women, but at least we've started objectifying men also. <laughs> so well, that makes well, it a little Mike, bit better. That's, I, that was going to be my next point. Magic Mike is something that was very popular, but on the other hand, it wasn't so popular among guys that were, you know, by themselves and heterosexual. Like right. not taking a woman or gay. Oh, like, I, I, th- I thought you were saying with, it was not so popular with, with gay men. I don't know how popular it was, but what I was going to mention was also that there is a whole, an entire like gay film industry with like, um, I've had a couple of friends of mine sort of like talking about all these movies uh, that they say like, oh yeah, and this is a classic gay film and there's this and this. Uh, and like there's been, actually for some time, there has been like a like a gay movie scene. So that's, I think, the other thing. And I think definitely those films explore everything from being hypersexual to to uh, more complex themes and things like that. So I think Magic Mike was really, seems to be more for women. I'm sure think, gay men and women went together. I'm sure there were plenty of gay men who went and watched Magic right, Mike. Right, right, right. But, but There's like, no doubt. Yeah. Well, but, no, yeah. I think Channing Tatum is a... Is a, a sexy dude? Guy, a I think actor. we all think that, too. You know, after, uh, <laughs> I, you know... 21 Jump Street convinced me that uh, he had a sense of humor about it. That was that was a surprisingly good movie. So after that, I'm sort of like, he's not the best actor, but I'm all right with him. And the other thing I wanted to bring up was what we talked about earlier, this idea of something called fan service. Oh, yes. Now, fan service is actually somewhat related to male gaze, but it's not exclusively about it. Fan service is basically about stuff that's inserted into some sort of entertainment to appeal to fans that does not service the story at all. Right. I think the the difference is fan service is more deliberate and more gratuitous than when you just talk about male gaze in general. But fan service doesn't necessarily have to be sexual. Because sometimes fan service is like putting Easter eggs in an Iron Man movie where you see, oh, look, here's a bunch of other references to other Marvel characters. That's considered fan service if it gets to be a little egregious. Like, if it's something where it's, like, subtle, it's not fan service. It's called fan service when it's, like, unnecessary and you can't help but notice it. Like, for example, let's say in Iron Man, where, you know, someone says, Man, what about, have you seen the paper about Spider-Man? Say, like, yeah, man, love that Spider-Man. yeah. <laughs> that would be a little, you know, right. Well, well, well right. the thing is, is once again, Joss Whedon, 
I, I remember Joss Whedon also had a scene in uh, when he was uh, uh, writing for Astonishing X Men, where like you know Fantastic Four came around and said stuff. I mean, Joss Whedon is one of these people. He's good at doing some of that that sort of stuff and that sort of fan service stuff um, or anything that's campy, but he knows how to do it in a good way. But like, but like a lot of times it's just kind of like, uh, you know. Um, but what we, uh, but, how does but this relate to the... talk about fan service. Normally, they're not talking about Easter eggs. No, Normally, they're talking the about, about like, you know, sexualized characters, and usually female characters give are you a very good sexualized, example. and, you know, or you get, like, you know... Oh, hold on, like, I have like, a very good example that Benji sexualized will recognize. shots, like, you know, cleavage shots and... Yeah, but hold on, let me give a good example that Benji will recognize. You've played Street Fighter, Benji. Right. You, you know how when Cammy wins, she turns and shows off her ass to the... To the screen yeah it's awesome that's fan service <laughs> <laughs> okay i thought uh, i thought it was just like references to other things because benji, no that's part that is an, to argue, fan service is when it's unnecessary wait were you saying benji benji what <laughs> i love that, that we have you here because you argue both sides yeah. <laughs> like, well, both what i'm what i'm saying is at the same time yeah well what i'm saying is i think i think it's an important point because because I, I want to also like distinguish and also say I, I really believe that both things can exist. Like I really believe that you can be. I guess this is just how I try to be. But I really believe you can be a a very like like I guess horn doggish person or whatever and be really sexual. Not everyone has to be like this. And, um, and at the same time, believe in these ideals. Like I I I really have a, have a problem when people go to the spectrum of. You know, go these different sides of the spectrum. Well, first of all, there's the side of people saying, like, you know, um, you know, women don't need to be in these roles, and 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 women are always oppressed, and 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 all these things. When life, I think, is a little more complicated and complex than that. And then I like the other side where people talk about there are these only these certain roles for men and women, and this is what makes people the most happy. I don't like that either. And what I what I think is is that is that I think we have to recognize that that both those things exist, and it kind of bothers me how how we have to. You know how auto, like, like like sexuality or our responses to sexuality are automatically a, a bad thing, um, but at the same time, I also don't I, I also don't appreciate you know people trying to push a specific view on me and 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 trying to for instance push like the sexualized image of women all the time, especially where it's unnecessary. Right. So like so, I, I think I, I think that in general, I'll just finish what I'm saying. I yeah. think in general, it makes perfect sense for like for 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 women to. In fact, I think it's great. You know, in general, just women's rights and um, and and women having a better say in in the world and being being treated more equally or equally and, and all that shit at the same time. And I and I also don't think it's necessarily degrading to women to. That's why I talked about talking about who we might think is attractive. I don't think it's, it it needs to be thought of as degrading to talk about how hot a woman is or something or talk about someone sexually. Same thing goes for women the other the other way. I think I don't think that should be something bad either. And, and and so that, that's my point. I think we can have. So what I'm saying, I like Cammy, you know, like turning around, and showing off her ass. Now, once again, that, that's probably pretty unnecessary. And I, but I'm just saying, like, like you know, just being a teenage boy self, and and you know, like like appealing to that, like, oh, that's hot. But I, I do think that it, that there's some silliness to that fan service thing. Well, Central. yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, Street Fighter is hardly the most egregious of these kind of things. Sure, right. they do it all the time. With a lot of like, especially with like Chun Li, by like say making her legs ridiculous, but like really appealing to a very specific type of person. Yeah. But, you know, there's a whole thing. It's really, it's actually very prevalent in a lot of types of, of anime, 
where you have women with ridiculous boobs, like yeah. unnaturally large. Yeah, and I think I think the like worst guys will like accidentally run into <laughs> these things and like basically it's like whoops I'm like I'm basically in like <laughs> they're, they're bigger than like, I'll, I'll tell you I mean like I think it's actually what's worse than than that kind of stuff that you see in in anime and manga because like like in it's it's kind of cartoonish there and like it's a little bit tongue in cheek I think um, so, but but compared to like American comic books, superhero comics, yep. I think it's a lot worse because yeah, comic books, comic books will often, often sexualize their female characters to an insane degree. Yeah, like their outfits. It's like, like insane. Oh, well, that's another good example of the Avengers thing because there was a whole thing about how on some of the, one of these posters, everyone was essentially faced in camera, but Black Widow was kind of like tilted in a way so that her ass and face were both facing the camera. And basically, I saw someone do, they, they, yeah. they drew a version where everyone... Yes, <laughs> yeah, 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 I saw that. And it's it was funny. just one of these, like, oh, yeah, yeah you don't even realize, a lot of these yep. people probably didn't yep. even realize yeah. that what they were doing. Because she wasn't supposed to be a sexual character, really. I mean, no, and once again... Like, it's like a default way that people show women, especially in these kind of action things, and especially in comic book things. And sometimes, like, well, comic books tend to be really over the top. There's a whole thing about how there's been so, so many examples of women being in incredibly ludicrous positions that are impossible. You know, like there's, you know, like how do you, how does a woman basically show her entire chest and ass, you know, to the, to the page at the same time? Yeah, and breaking her spine. Exactly. I mean, that, that that's the thing. It's like, it's like, it's it's possible some of these women are hot, or even some of these women have good bodies or whatever, or look sexy, but it's like, it's like, do they really think that that sort of outfit is the best outfit to wear? Like, when they're, when they're fighting crime? Like, seriously? With their, like, and, like, well, like their, their moves mean, just like, that's, you know. That's true, and that's a fair point about, like, how their outfits are ridiculous, but I think what's more important is the fact that, like, there's really no difference between comic books and pornography, Except that, like, in the comic books, you know, the That's, women are, are wearing clothes um, oh, for the most part. Hold on a second. Wait a minute. Let's reverse here for a second. <laughs> I don't think I can I, agree with the I, statement that, that, that comic might have been, books are the same as pornography. That might have been a strong statement, but um, the extent to which women are sexualized in comic books is basically pornographic. Mm. Off, often is, at least in the softcore porn sense, I... I I sort of I, I sort of agree with Sam with, with, with this. I think um, once again, and we're, we're going to talk about this in the next podcast about that that cracked article. Remember one thing they um, they, they mentioned is that um, the whole um, fuck I forgot exactly what I was talking about. Um, um, you gotta lay off the gun. Uh, I'll get <laughs> um, whatever. I'll, I'll come back to it. <laughs> we can erase this part. <laughs> no, you can't say that because now you know Jeremy's going to leave it in just to be funny. Ah, uh, damn it! Um, oh, I wouldn't about... do anything like that. Uh, pop. All right, you know what? We can talk a little bit about let's let's talk about some movies or TV shows or whatever where we think that women are are depicted in a in a positive way. And I have I have an unusual example of that. Right. Um, the first Blade movie. 
if you guys remember the, you know, I didn't Blake, see it. I didn't see it. Okay. I did see it, but I'm not sure what you're thinking of. Well, there's, you know, obviously the main characters are, are Blade, played by Wesley Snipes, and uh, the other guy, Whistler, played by, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh-huh. Uh, Chris Carpenter or something like that? No, you're close. I'm close. It's not, that's not his name, <laughs> but it's something like that. Um, anyway, so there's also a uh, no, female character. Chris Christopherson. Right. I think Chris Carpenter is a pitcher. Um, I don't know. That doesn't, anyway. That name doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> anyway, there's also a female character. I, I forget who plays her. Um, but she plays um, some kind of... She's like a doctor or a um, uh, lab worker or something like that. Um, and she's like a good-looking woman. But there's basically no sexual tension with her and it's like there's no like oh she's she and blade are gonna like be romantic or anything it's there's there really isn't any of that which is refreshing um you know she's not sexualized she's not romanticized she's just like a female character who you know contributes to to you know the protagonist and advancing the plot in the movie um She's also black, which is cool because you don't see, you know, and Blade is black, of course. So there's like, you know, a little bit more minority presence in that. Um, but we don't have to get too much into the race stuff. Like I said, we can save that for another podcast. Um, but it's a nice example of a movie that has a female character who is not hypersexualized and is not, doesn't have to be a love interest for the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. That's the, that's the important thing. All right. Well, that's an interesting choice. What do you think, Ben? Um, one thing I was thinking of, and I mentioned this in the last podcast, um, you know, I, I really liked Amy Adams and even in Enchanted, even though she plays a, like, like one of the stereotypes of women, like the princess stereotype, she really, she really kills it, you know? And, and she's, she's a very strong character. Like it's not even, it's not even like she keeps talking about her prince, but first of all, it's over the top, you know, it's purposely unrealistic. And also it's kind of like she has this way of talking about that she doesn't want to listen to any, uh, uh, anyone else, you know, about this issue. So, I don't know. I, 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 I liked, I liked that portrayal. Um, we didn't, by the way, we didn't mention Arya, uh, yet. Arya Stark? Is, yeah, Arya Stark. We didn't oh, mention him from yeah. Game of Thrones. I, I mean, there's a reason I, I think maybe we avoided Song of Ice and Fire because we can easily talk about Song of Ice and Fire, you know, forever, which we And we, we do. <laughs> well, I think in general, George R. R. Martin tends to have pretty interestingly written female character, so we don't really need to get into that. We can just sort of agree that he's better than most. Yeah, I mean, certainly there, there are some people who have raised complaints with his female characters, but like you said, he's, he's definitely better than most, and he's not, he's not the person that we need to be talking about right now. Right, right. But, but yeah, um, you can include him as... But we can certainly include him as a, as a positive example. For sure. Um, some people would say, I, I, am, I am not necessarily in this, in this camp, um, but either you guys read any Ayn Rand novels? Oh like the my Fountainhead god! And Atlas are you Shrugged? are you I mean, really th- bringing Ayn Rand into this? I have to, I have to, because that's an inter- that's an interesting thing to bring up a pop cultural uh, minutia to bring up. So well, I, I, I read the Fountainhead. I did not read Atlas Shrugged, but I did read the Fountainhead. Um, go okay. ahead, say what you're going to say. Well, there there are two things. I actually was going to pick the person from Atlas Shrugged, which I never finished, but um. Uh, one of the main characters, Dagny Taggart, is Neither kind of <laughs> is kind of um, is is this character where she's kind of um, she's kind of tomboyish. Now, of course, 
Ayn Rand has these uh, had these very strong views about men and women, even though she was kind of like she you know she was this very like aggressive intellectual, so to so to speak. You know, I'm just calling her intellectual just because you could. She she is technically in the intellectual world. She talked about philosophies, blah blah blah. Um, she, but uh, you know, but she had she had these. She had these views about like like the roles of men and women. She talked about like women, you know, uh, worshiping the, the man, but worshiping like a real man, like the ideal man. And and um, the, the the character I forgot her name, uh, the 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 one of the protagonists, female protagonists of the Fountainhead, you know, was definitely not the most um, you know assertive wo- woman. As she was much more someone watching. She she was like a character who was just watching all these things happen. But um, she um. You know, but but I think I think those characters, it's th- still something kind of different. Um, definitely novels and li- definitely literature ha- has a uh, has approached the has approached the issues before. But I think um, I think it's worth mentioning Daggy Taggart from Atlas Shrugged. All right, I mean, Ayn Rand has some really weird ideas about sexuality that I don't want to get into right now, and I certainly don't want to get into a discussion of her politics. So I'm just going <laughs> to let this one pass. And uh, let's right. move on. I, one of the, one of the, there's a uh, article I just sent over to Sam, which I think is useful to think about, which is this idea about the difference between so-called strong female characters versus positive female characters. Mm-hmm. Because there's this idea of where people just say, "Oh yeah, she's strong," which basically just means the problem is that people will say that just means that. that you know, she's very competent in some way, but they still need to be saved by guys, which is right. very common all the time. Like, there was, there was, the example that was brought up was in uh, Transformers, how Megan Fox, you know, is competent. She knows how to fix cars, you know, but, oops, she still needs to be rescued. Right. right. Or right. Avatar. So, Avatar and, has that. And these female characters who then, you know, become so strong that they're, like, perfect but still not very interesting. Like, um, you know, all those Angelina Jolie characters that Benji was talking about before. Um, You know, and so the article basically makes makes the the case for why we should have more characters who are flawed. Female, you know, good female characters who have flaws, and the flaws are what make them interesting. Well, well, there's some that uh, she mentions as interesting examples that I can agree with in some ways. Like, for example, Hermione... Right. Who was someone I definitely like. Or even like someone like uh, Luna. Luna Lovegood from the same series. You know, who ha- they're both very interesting in different ways. Right. But and what makes both... what what makes Hermione interesting as as far as this argument is, you know, she has the flaw of, you know, she's she's a, a know it all. She's kind of annoying. It's a little irritating to the other characters the way that she kind of bosses them around. Right. So it's because because like otherwise you might sort of miss the fact that Hermione isn't this like perfect character who's good at everything and is also beautiful. And they even mentioned they even mentioned here um, uh, Crouching Tiger and Dragon and yeah. Sarah Connor. Yeah. Oh, like that, I love that picture. Oh, you want me? Sorry, I'm a little busy right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's, it's, it's a good point. And something else, you know, to think about, like, you know, you were talking about Futurama earlier and I think. For example, Leela is a pretty good character, and she's yeah. definitely <laughs> she's definitely not like perfect at all. Right. 
and I think that's interesting. Of course, it's funny how things go back and forth. You know, you have like the weirdness of Xena, which is very fan y yet. And yet so feminist at the same time. Yeah, exactly. It's bizarre. But Xena anyway, is also, Xena is like an iconic lesbian show. <laughs> well, yeah. So that's yeah. the thing. And, and that, that, does, that, that does do something. Cause, yeah. That's... Another good example is uh, in the movie The Incredibles, Mrs. Incredibles. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very good. You know, the sort of the mom, and yet she's also very good at what she does, even in, you know, saving the day. And I like that part of it also. You know, sometimes, you know, things can be complicated. Yeah. And the problem with it is that there's a lot of times where you just sort of feel like people are just falling into the same roles. Right, right. Um, so okay, so... We're going to we be should... wrapping it up here soon. So well, we should talk about hopes, hopes for the future. Yeah, exactly. Gonna... Yeah. But it was like, what would we like to see? I think, I think what we were saying before, just look at the flawed female characters. I think, well, I mentioned briefly, um, uh, Claire Danes' character in Homeland, though I think the, I actually agree with a lot of people that the second season was, eh, and I have some issues with Homeland, especially how the second season, uh, was, but, but I think, I think, I think that is a good direction to have, to have these female leads that have, you know, that have some very noticeable flaws, and also, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think we should get rid of sexuality, you know, for female characters. We shouldn't get rid of sexuality for any interesting characters, because especially if you're going to flesh them out, that's going to be, like, there's no character that doesn't have an element to them. You know, that's one thing and, George R. R. And Parker actually, says. Benji, um, this article that we're talking about, the overthinking it article, mentions, like, that many of these female characters are attractive, and that's okay. You know, it's not a yeah. problem for them to be attractive, as long as, that's not the point of their character, and as long as they're they're vulnerable enough that they can like actually like get beaten up, and you know sometimes people get bruised or like you know they're not like wearing makeup all the time when they're fighting or you know like right. like as long as it's like a little bit realistic, right? And that, right, so right. it's and not like just an obvious male fantasy, or at least you know not the, the most conventional male fantasy that there is. Can we and also can we can we like I, I just I just think more movies that 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 that. Or in shows or whatever that had that sort of female lead where they carry the show because there there are tons or tons to carry the movie there are, there are tons of very competent and good fe- um, female actress uh, you know female actors like there are definitely ones who could do it so I mean I think my hope is pretty general but I think just these realistic characters where the sexuality isn't thrown isn't thrown in our face and and here's the other thing in in the pilot episode of Homeland um, there is. There's a, a scene where um, uh, where Claire Danes is sort of like crazily like you know changing her clothes to uh, to fit um, you know before she goes out and she's really anxious about uh, about, about something um, and the thing is like you see her take off her clothes a lot and like you know you could be you could be turned on by it I wasn't necessarily the whole thing is it shows her being vulnerable so she still looks like a woman without clothes on you know but 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 she's vulnerable. And I think that was the point of of that of that scene. I think they did it well, and I think that's part of a. a, a and I think that's a really effective thing because you you want to you want to show realistic characters. So. Mm. Right, right. All right. Good, Jeremy. Well, I think there's a lot of possibilities here. I mean, last 
season had this show called The Americans, which I've told you about before. And although there was this, yes. there's this idea of subversion there because you had sort of the, you know, over, you know, more aggressive, you know, woman versus the more sensitive guy thing, they changed it up and played around with that throughout the season, and I thought it was very well done. And it was interesting mm-hmm. because she was complicated, and, and I like to see that kind of thing. I like to see interesting things. I, you know, I like to see interesting people. You know, right. what I want to feel is like, this isn't a character. Now, sometimes, you know, if it's a short thing, especially if it's like a silly movie, you can accept a lot more in that way. Right. But the truth is, well, first of all, on a TV show, you never really want that. Even for a comedy, it only goes so far before you just get sick of it. Right. You know, that's, I guess, something, uh, I think there's some growth, some progress that's been made, but we'll see. I mean, maybe they'll get that Black Widow movie made. Right. That'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. could just be sort of like a spy thriller type of thing. Yeah. What do you think, Sam? What would I like to see? Mm-hmm. I would like to see more acknowledgement that the newsroom is the most sexist show on television. <laughs> I know that I some people some people have acknowledged that already, but I feel it's like not, not enough. It is not, first of all. Not enough people. Well, it's probably the most sexist show on television that people watch and think of as like being a good show honestly and, i've heard yeah. i've heard so many people recently i haven't watched any of the newsroom yet i've heard so many recently talking about it being the most amazing show on television it's interesting <laughs> it's not it's it's not there there are some good moments in it yes but there is one good female character on it there is yeah there it's is one good female character uh yeah so so i i mean characters. like I would like to see, you know, and it's not just about Aaron Sorkin, but I'd like to see more more TV shows and more movies get called out in the mainstream press for sexism and sexist depictions of women and and more encouragement from the mainstream towards those those directors and producers to give us things that, um, you know, that show women on a more equal footing and give us, you know, better female characters that aren't always being, you know, sort of, dominated by men and and corrected by men and you know rescued by men and all of that um you know every once in a while we see like a you know a, a reversal where a woman rescues a man and that's always fun but you know or or, or just this depiction we're talking about the angelina jolie thing where it's like right? it's like a sexy woman who actually you know like you know it's just just it's just but still her sexuality is one of the most important things they're they're trying to make her this this sexy sexy uh this femme fatale thing that's what it is right exactly exactly like we don't need femme fatales give us more Arya starks give us more impossibles you know just like like female characters whose femininity isn't isn't like the point of their character but you know and more more buffy the vampire slayers and stuff like that like you know good characters who are female and are are just like the main character hmm Alright, well, I think that's all for now. Until next time, guys. Nerd you later. Nerd you later. Nerd you later.